Hi, and welcome to Girls' Night Out, COVID-19 edition. <laughs> yeah, tonight we are doing a Girls' Night Out remotely, which will consist of me and Jen, and we're going to call Tammy in just a minute. We're also adding a special guest tonight. That is Bishop Ron Kuykendall from St. Andrew's Church in Gainesville, Florida. He's going to be joining us tonight to talk about this crazy time that we're in right now, dealing with this global crisis of COVID-19 and what it looks like um, to go through that as a believer, as a follower of Jesus and how that, how this is affecting us and how we're responding to it and all of that good stuff. So we're going to give him a call in just a minute and He's an honorary girl for tonight. Um, he's not <laughs> technically a girl, but um, we're going to allow him to join us anyway because we think he's pretty great. Yes. He's been deemed worthy. He's been deemed worthy. Well, we're going to give Tammy a call and see how this whole thing works uh, tech-wise. So it should be fun for all of us. Hang in there. He's a pastor. Hey. Hey, hey. hey. Hey, it's Tammy. Hey, it's Tammy. Tammy. <laughs> um, I am sitting here with no one to clink my locally sourced margarita with. Ooh. Well, I'm, me neither, but I've got a glass of wine. So here, here on cheers. One, two, three. Clink. To you. Cheers. Clink. Yes. Clink. clink. Yes. All right. Well, we, um, love you and miss you and we need to add in the next caller which is Bishop Ron you ready ready hold please (laughs) all right so if all goes I don't know what I did (laughs) I, I don't all goes according to plan there will be an additional guest popping in speaker um yes so tammy life in the quarantine life in the quarantine depends on the minute Mm. you're asking me a good minute because i've got some wine right now and uh, and it's the end of the day but um you know every minute's different i will say the last couple days have been better i told adrian i think the first week i was still in shock um, and now that I've kind of settled in, I'm not as um, hello. Prone. I'm not as prone to hey, <laughs> outbursts. Tammy's letting us know that she's not as prone to outbursts this week. <laughs> oh, Lent is working. It could working. be the higher intake. Lent of wine. is working. <laughs> Lent is working. The the glass of wine she has in her hand might be helping as well. <laughs> well, whatever it takes. Hey, Ron. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are I, you? I haven't listened to your song yet, but I heard it's really good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. That was a vulnerable moment. Well, I haven't seen it, but I, apparently it's quite dear. That's sweet. So, how are you guys all doing? We're not recording, are we? Are we are recording? Or? We are. We, we are. are We're on. To girls' night out, Bishop. Yeah. Well, this is the first girls' night out I've been to, so that makes you feel. I don't know <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure if that's better or worse. We decided that um, you're worthy. So well, I'm not going to quite, I don't think the title honorary woman is going to be the one I'm going to take, but nonetheless, 
I'll be an honor an honorary guest. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So, how are you doing? Well, we're doing well. Obviously, uh, you know, there's so many thoughts when you think about church and the Eucharist, and so. Um, yeah, I'm still waiting for the drive-through <laughs> communion. <laughs> well, we're expecting to do that, but. Uh, Serious? Woo! Well, Woo! It, the idea would be that everybody would we'd have our service and then people would have an opportunity maybe 30 minutes afterwards for maybe an hour to come. And then we take communion to each car and pray with the families. Oh, you're going to let the Baptists in on this too? Well, you have to have an Anglican card. You actually can't come with your back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually there's a non-member rate for you actually. (laughs) (laughs) It probably costs a bottle of wine. Well, yeah, I'm I'm sure the money's going straight to wine. There are, there are gifts in kind that could be received. Yes. (laughs) It can pay for wine and wafers. So anyway, this, the whole thing is so fascinating because you can envision many scenarios, but this is a, the one I don't think I've ever thought about. You know, it was one you can, you could envision a war, you could envision, yeah. you know, a hurricane or, but this is so strange. I mean, I have to say, I've thought how much nicer this is than a hurricane in the sense that I have, air, electricity. Con- I have air conditioning electricity. Yeah. So yeah. I think that I've, I've thought about stuff like this in terms of like, you know, like an underground church type situation, but I never thought of it in terms of a socially distanced church. Yeah. A whole different thing. Well, and like in China, one of the, I've had friends that have been there and ministered in house churches and, you know, getting there secretly is part of the whole difficulty. Yeah. Uh, And so people actually might stay a whole weekend in a small room. And you might have 20 people or something because they can't come and go. Yeah. When Chad went, um, he had to take this like really crazy route and switch taxis like a bunch of times. And like, it was just really odd to finally get where he was going. He had to do quite a dance. Yeah. But you've got to think there's something about this time and what the Lord's doing. Yeah that we're yeah. all learning how to do all this. I'm sure it's not being wasted. Uh, and I'm sure that it's going to, I mean, it's not the ideal situation, but it's, it's obviously going to prepare us for ways to increase our connectedness uh, in other days and seasons when this particular crisis is over. And uh, I mean, what would have taken for so many churches, even me to, to really like know how to stream a service or do it yeah. in prayer on face, like, you know, skill sets that would, so many people are getting right now that never have had them and yeah. uh yeah something's going on you know uh, i i've been doing a, a beth moore bible study and she said something really profound to me this week is um, god brought about the things that i feared the most to deal with my fears and i recognize so much of that in this so much of the stuff that i fear has really bubbled to the surface without even knowing it and the lord's been dealing with it and healing it and it's been really interesting. Yeah. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of challenges just in Lent and fasting. And, you know, I talk a lot about the grace to be empty and it's, you know, I've struggled more with my eating and things than normal. Forget about Lent. Preach. It's like, you know, I was having a pretty good Lent and then uh, (laughs) really struggling with basic stuff. Yeah. Let, let alone my fasting stuff. So I, it's yeah. been a real, so I realized, okay, I must be anxious in ways 
that I don't recognize, but my eating is revealing to me. Um, that is the truth. So, That's good to hear from you, honestly, because part of me struggled with guilt in that, that like all these intentions have just flown out the window and it's been really hard. Oh yeah. Well, not all of them, but almost all of them. Yeah. It, <laughs> it definitely some, threw I've had me. some bad days. So, you know, like Jack Nicholas, the golfer, the famous golfer, he used to say, if you're having a bad day in golf, only count the good shots. So I'm kind of just trying to count the good days. Uh, it, it oh, that's not good to know. Well, it is. You, you, you have to you have to not focus on the weaknesses other than to cry out to the Lord and say, boy, am I weak and I really need you. Mm-hmm. That's that's all you can do with the bad days. It's not really surprising that we're weak. What's amazing is that there are rhythms that we can turn to God and experience his forgiveness and his kindness and his help. And uh, there's something that glorifies him. The fact that we're fighting and we're in the game, not just that we arrive at the, you know, there's something about the will and the choices and the struggle that glorifies him more than simply giving us the grace just to be able to do everything right. Hmm. And Jen the- sent a meme the other day that said, this is the lentiest lent I've ever lented. <laughs> Well, she's a philosopher, so I'm not surprised. That was a, I I'm feel gonna like think the, about that for a the while. Real, the real meme of the season for me was the one that Michelle sent me, which was, um, I'm giving up drinking for Lent. And then it said, I'm sorry, that was terrible punctuation. I'm giving up drinking for Lent. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. <laughs> I can tell you a story about a guy in an Irish bar, but I guess it's probably not the time for this story. <laughs> There's a it's a pretty good Lenten story. If, if you if, if you need filler at the end, I'll tell you a good joke. <laughs> okay, we will remember. Well, the first question I wrote down a couple questions. Um, I think each of us did, but uh, what I had is, what's different right now about life for you guys? Is it is it fairly close to business as usual, or how's that going? When you say you guys, are you talking? I mean you and the beautiful woman of our church. Well, uh, she tells me that self-quarantine means that she's got to stay away from me. But I'm (laughs) (laughs) she is very very concerned with the public health, apparently. Uh, So (laughs) anyway, uh, but (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) It's been very different. in the sense that, I mean, imagine we have not had anyone hospitalized or anyone. We did have, you know, our dear mentor, Jack Hurst, died. And yeah. it was kind of up in the air whether I'd even be allowed to see him and give him the last rites. Uh, we haven't had any other people in the hospital yet. But, uh, you know, we're not sure you know, the protocols are changing. Can you? I can't imagine that someone in our church was sick with this or something else. And I couldn't go visit him and pray with him. Yeah. So, it's, so far, it's not been so much what's happened is what might happen. You know, it's, it's the, I can't imagine, you know, um, the unknown. Yeah. And it's, you know, not being a prayer people, not being to get into a hospital. I've never, I can't even imagine a scenario where you even consider that uh, as a pastor, you wouldn't go. And then I, you know, I had dear friends say to me, Oh, you're, cause I have diabetes, you know, you're a higher risk. And actually my diabetes is with medication and control. So I'm apparently, I'm not really any more high risk than someone else, but, but I mean, I thought, well, there's no way. I can't imagine that if if there was a chance to go, that I would send somebody else. So I mean, just to think about those things, are, it's it's kind of sad. I mean, just like, wow. I, I hope that uh, um, you know everyone stays healthy and that we're not in a situation where we can't give them good care. And uh, 
you know, on the other hand, I have a great peace. I don't feel like, um, I feel like the Lord's accomplishing his glorious purposes in mm-hmm. this. Um, I don't think he sent it necessarily, but there is a sense in which his sovereignty means he's in control and he allows certain things. You know, we disobey him. There is uh, within free will in the universe uh, things yeah. that happen. And yeah. whether he's removing his grace or how, you know, however you understand the theology of that. Um, I just, you know, we've had a lot of hard things through the years. And so I, I feel like at least at this point, it seems I feel very much at peace that God's glorious purposes are going to be carried out through this. But it doesn't guarantee it's easy and it doesn't care uh, mean that things necessarily go well in a short run kind of thing. Um, so you just have to say, OK, Lord, uh, I need to surrender my will to you in a different kind of way. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, everyone gets scratched at wherever their wounds are. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Well, I so this whole time that you know we've been dealing with the COVID stuff, I often think of time, you know, hard times as like the refiner's fire that sort of, um, you know, the fire gets stoked and the impurities rise to the top so they can get skimmed off. And I feel like the majority of the people that I'm fairly close to and talk with during this time have said that that this has caused things to rise to the surface for them in ways that nothing else has um is there you know is that something that you would say has been happening for you or for the church as a whole well i think yeah any kind of powerlessness sort of the the sense that we can't fix it and we don't know for sure you know that's why we, I preached on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, the thing that was really heavy on me from the spirit, as best I could tell at least, was, and even if he doesn't, yeah. you know, they say, the, our Lord, Lord's going to deliver us. But if he doesn't, and, and, and yeah. part of growing in the Lord is knowing, hey, first, I mean, the early days of my life, I didn't know in my ministry that Jesus did miracles and, and that I could count on him to do these things. And, and, uh, and I've seen powerful, miraculous interventions in my life in all kinds of ways. But the other thing you learn is, He's glorified and he's God, even when he doesn't answer the way like Susie's first cancer. And, and uh, you know, so the idea that you can't fix it, you're not in control. That is a very deep kind of thing. And so um, it's been it's certainly been hard uh, because our, uh, you know, our drugs of choice to necessize the pain of that, whether it's eating or whether for me, I find myself thinking about money and different, you know, whatever our weaknesses are, they come out. And so uh, to, to be in a place of, of uh, confession and repentance and, yeah. and it, yeah. it's, it's embarrassing in some ways to keep saying, here I am again with the same kinds of things that I thought I had done well in. But, yeah. you know, as the flame gets higher, um, those impurities, you know, they come out more. So you think, I thought I had this under control. And you realize, well, the flame just wasn't as high. When it, when it gets high, my uh, brokenness and my weaknesses and my need for repentance and forgiveness and grace certainly gets exposed more and more. Yeah, I and, and I feel like when you're social distancing with people, um, that can cause some things to rise to the surface too. Oh, yeah. Like we're spending a lot more time with our loved ones than than we have in other situations. Um, extensive time 
with people. <laughs> and Glorious time. <laughs> like, yeah, there are certain things that are rising to the surface because of that as well. I'm sure that doesn't happen for you, though, because Susie. She, she's pretty good at staying away. I mean, I'm kind of kidding. We, we, part of, you know, how our little household works, you know, Joy's been here uh, and she's working and you know, she had to bring home her two monitors, and, but she has a very small upstairs. It, you know, I, we hardly ever go up there, you know, so it's not, it's not a very big place we live in. And, but she's pretty much up there. She's, she's got her space. And, and then uh, Susie has, because we're still working on the house next to our church uh, and refurbishing, she's kind of overseeing that. So she's been at Lowe's or she, you know, so she's got plenty of things to, to sort of get away. So we, we have probably more space than you guys and said that you guys have small children and you're not able to go out as well and all that where we, we really do uh, have, even though it's not a very big house, we have kind of, I have my little office and we're sort of all have our own, uh, you know, place and, and uh, that's not big, but it certainly can. I mean, all it takes is a, a, a ride for Christmas or something and uh, uh, that stuff happens. But, but yeah, it's probably happening for you guys. Uh, it's such a difficult thing when you're giving emotionally to young children. Um, uh, yes, have, or, yeah. or college students that are home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Better um, to me than the little kids, but, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you so. So, you know, my thought is that we've been pretty aware of how the Lord's kind of leading us to rise to the occasion personally. Um, but I, you know, I feel like obviously there is, there's an opportunity right now for believers in general or for the church as a whole to rise to the mm. occasion. Um, and I feel like you, you address that a little bit on Sunday, um, with your sermon. And I was wondering if you could kind of share with us a little bit about sort of what you feel like are the opportunities that we have as the church right now because of the current situation with COVID-19? My instinct is that this is kind of a, um, a warning shot. And, and, and part of how I understand history and what the future is, I believe that in, the, in history, things get worse and God's grace gets poured out at the same time. Grace uh, abounds. Yeah. Not that this is exactly what Paul was saying in that statement, but that where sin abounds, grace abounds more. So I expect in cycles that evil increases, even as God uh, responds in his glorious purposes and, and, right. and works beautifully. So it's, it's these two things uh, that are increasing and the, the demonic and, and evil is increasing. The darkness is increasing. So, um, but I, my sense is that this is kind of a test run to prepare us, particularly to get us unencumbered with stuff. Now that may just be because of my mm -hmm. own, uh, things, but I, I sense that this is a time where, you know, we're going to have opportunity that, you know, when 9-11 happened for about two or three weeks, there was all these people who'd grown up the church and that knew the gospel, maybe had to live for Jesus, who for two or three weeks, I mean, the church was packed. And mm -hmm. it was amazing how the intensity of that and the normalcy, quote unquote, you know, normal, normalizing, how that changed. And it kind of just people pushed it out of their mind, not, not unlike going to a funeral where people really have a moment of clarity on the death of something, say, oh, I need to live differently. 
but we don't necessarily do that. And, and I think this is like the Lord's, uh, one of the purposes he's going to do with this is give us an opportunity uh, to, uh, to draw into him and to press into him and to find him. Um, and that there's other days that will come that it's going to be important that we learn the lessons now so that we can uh, excel and be the light and sort of take our place uh, in, in the world in the days that are coming. And uh, that's kind of what I sense is, uh, is, is happening. This is, this is one of a number of things, not that they're all going to last or it's all doomsday, but, but there's going to be these kinds of cycles and it won't all be pandemics. It'll be economic. It'll be but in these things, we have to be uh, focused on the Lord and really connect it to each other and to him. And maybe this is one of the great things, maybe what will come out of this is that we'll value the church and our relationships far better I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of people that sense the need of community because we didn't all have great families. But, uh, but I certainly think we're all learning. Boy, we, we didn't realize how much we need each other and how important uh, those relationships. And who, who knows all the things? But my sense is this is one of the things that God's not wasting in this time is to teach us some of these kinds of things. And, and uh, I'm trying to make sure mm-hmm. I learn um, uh, because it's it's easy to miss this stuff, and and uh, I, I feel like he's speaking to me about that personally, and I I trust that it's not just me, you know. Otherwise, I would just keep it private. But I I think that's kind of what's going on. You know, I think it's so. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Jenny. So I just <clears throat> speaking into kind of what where you started with that was, um, and just a question I had, just for help with this is, um, looking at you know any time that we go through periods of, of change, we're, we're vulnerable to attacks of the enemy. You know, we know that. I mean, that, that's, we know that. Um, how have you seen or kind of sensed um, the enemy moving in ways that are um, probably more in our face than maybe before? I don't know if you have noticed that at all, but I just, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of despair that you can just feel that's thick and, um, and how can we best be aware of it and alert of it? Well, I think for a lot of us, we're feeling anxiety and fear that's not all our own. I think it's, it's, it's oh, sort of in the okay. air. And I think part of the problem is if we're praying and dealing with the anxiety and fear, and we don't realize that there's a open and spiritual people is we're just picking up on cloud. It's not just, uh, it's not just us. And that's not to say there isn't a part of us that that's needs to be point. dealt with. But, but if you're dealing with the cloud that's over the neighborhood, strong oppressive cloud and this is not me in a meaning i knew that i now i'm 54 so i i was the one that always thought oh this must be me i must be a bad person and not a good pastor i'm feeling and and uh play my own stuff but it was very apparent to me that this that's that's not my it was not my stuff but I, it was so heavy and i thought i bet this is what Gosh, I had not thought about that. I guess because I've been in my own home, I had not thought about that. But that's really helpful. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's well, really my hunch helpful. Is that we feel it in our families. We feel it in our spiritual relationships, but in our community. And the, if you were right. in the Garden Club, I think in those places in which we have alignment in a in a good way, these are not quote unquote spiritual. I think that we're we're apt to to in this that we do feel stuff. And I think one of the things is what people freak out is they don't realize when they're feeling this massive and sense it's too big for them, but it's, it's because it's not just them. 
they're there and that's part of right. the sense of stuff and then to respond back not just in a way in which the enemy wants to think oh this is us and we're bad or we're weak or whatever the the judgments Ooh. are when the reality is we're in the spirit other and because of this mystical union which the bible calls <laughs> koinonia we're able to good and the bad and so mm -hmm. um so we're gonna say well whatever's my part i you know that's that's it's not like uh the devil maybe do it or trying to shirk response own issues with fear and anxiety but it seems to me uh a lot more going on that isn't simply us Oh, that's so helpful. I, I mean, I'm used to that if I'm in, you know, contact with people, but that has just gone out of my peripheral because I'm so isolated. Um, so that's helpful. Yeah. A lot going on. And that could feel, I mean, I get feel it in my bones. Oh, it's, it's so yeah. palpable. It's, it's so palpable. Yeah. I, what, one of the things I was thinking was, you know, back to what you were talking about before in terms of people you know, potentially being drawn into the church because of this situation and everything. It's interesting to me because um, I found that the first Sunday that I was listening to you online, I posted something about it. And there were a lot of people that popped up on the live feed that were friends of mine on Facebook that I, I was really shocked that they were listening in. Um, and so I wonder if even the Lord will, will use the fact that churches are having to go online to potentially reach people that might not have walked through the door um, with the gospel. Yes. And I, so there's a whole lot of things catching and how wonderful. Oh, how wonderful that uh, that's good but i mean how i mean that's so encouraging in a sense that um and i mean the thing is and, and this is what i want to make you concerned but the part of the biggest way the church is a witness in times like this is not with the victory dance but having gone through it right. and not being yeah. exempt from the problems and the financial reversals and all the different things that happen and something like this and well aware of that and so i'm like okay lord you know i've got to uh find my peace and i've got to i mean find you is how i find my peace is to find the lord which is really being still and being paying attention to him finding me in a sense it's not uh the it's not as proactive as it is uh i mean there's a sense of being still so that we can know him in our stillness so that we can recognize oh here he is um but that yeah there's a lot going a lot of what we pray for but you know, we're never praying and thinking, oh, that we'll <clears throat> And as we find our peace and walk with Jesus in them, other people are going to looking for. And in some ways, the good, the good times anesthetize people from being able to tell. But in rough times, people can see who's grounded, who's rooted. And, and uh, you know, even as we're getting exposed and learning our weaknesses, there's still the presence of the Lord in the process. And people can see that. It's not a time mm. for plastic Jesus, though, that's for sure. And that's sort of pretending mm. everything's going to be okay, which, I mean, I hope it is going to be okay. Yes. But yes. meaning the Lord is wonderful <clears throat> if all of a sudden, as some of the really 
prophetic people have said who have been very on in weird ways in the past have really suggested, you know, by Easter, this thing's going to turn. And, and I sure hope that they're right. I'm not looking for any, you know, we don't have, there's enough trouble in this world. We don't have to look for trouble. The Lord will be glorified in his people in our response. Whether this is something that's short and gets turned around or whether we go through it, however he wants, he's the Lord. And uh, part of mm-hmm. trusting is realizing, yeah, his story. If we only look at our own story and look, this is so unfair. And the enemy, can, you know, we have to understand ourselves as story, and that's how we make sense of all. You know, there's people dying in China for believing, and in the Ivory Coast and Africa, people getting burned to death by the Muslims, and and yet the Lord's pouring out revival amongst the Muslims and other places. And but but if we don't make that's... sense of our story as part of, we focus on of course completely unfair completely terrible it's happened um children die marriages crumble finances are taken away i mean it's a tough tough world and uh so i i feel like you know one of the things that you taught me um in in the earliest days of you know me knowing you that really shifted a lot in my life. Um, I, up until that time, up until the time that you taught me this, I, um, I kind of had this view of God as someone who was sort of keeping me in check, waiting to punish me. Um, You know, if, if bad things were happening, it was because I wrong or whatever. And so I feel like, you know, there was a huge shift in my life when you taught me about, you know, when, when bad things happened. And I would love if you would share that um, for some, some of us who might need to hear, you know, what is, what is, how, how are COVID-19 and God um, involved right now? Well, I mean, that's, there's no way to be very different for different people but let's be other part and that is that believer who knows jesus the bible says in romans that you know there's no condemnation and that means we're free to fail that we're secure in our relationship as sons and daughters and so that though our sins are being exposed and though we are fleeing back to the cross and we're learning how to forgive and to repent and to grow we're doing it as people who are in the family that are learning the father's love as opposed to uh, some kind of angry father who's looking for a way to sort of kick us out and punish us. And so when we appreciate that, that no condemnation with Jesus in the cross is provide for us all the security and the safety as family. And now we get to learn and we get to repent and we get to turn to him and we get to receive grace. And that all these things are part of this process of us becoming more like Jesus. I mean, what a different understanding i i grew up thinking god was angry if i make a mistake he can't wait to beat me with the belt or you know to, to put me in time out or whatever it is uh you, you know and instead of here's a loving father who is giving me in the safety of the cross uh opportunities to grow and learn and i can fail and fail and fail until i get it right and uh until when i get enough grace i'll stop sinning in any particular area and so that the remedy is the cross and his grace mm-hmm. over and over again. I get to run to the cross, not hiding from God. I don't know right. if that helps, but that's that's a big picture thing that really shifted for me. Um, 
you know, that, that in essence, my best is something I get to do. It'll never be enough, but I'm not passive in that. It's as I reach out, his grace is there to get me there. And he reaches out and grabs whatever, whether it's a short distance or a long difference from what he desires. Grace means he'll, he'll grab me and get me there uh, because of Jesus. Uh, and I get to do my best uh, as the little bit of worship and, and thing that I can do is to give him my best. I think that the, the free to fail was really spot on for me for right now, because with um, this whole time period, you know, with Lent and then with the COVID-19, like for the foreseeable future situation, um, I've just been feeling like, okay, I just, I just want to do this well. I want to do this right. I want to do Lent right. I want to do it well. You know, I think of the things of like, um, they say it takes X amount of days to develop a habit. And I just think like, okay, Lord, this is an opportunity. Like, this is such a different time. This is so unique. And I don't want to miss out on what I need to get better at or what, you know, you have for me. And so, but the lacking the idea of freedom to fail, like, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it has, there's been a lot, I've put a lot of pressure. (laughs) Well, remember that perfectionism is connected with self-righteousness. And we're really, yes. we're trying to, to please God in a, in a way, and, and I don't mean that all of our motivation of perfectionism, but part of the bad part of perfectionism is we're trying to do something to please God in our own strength. And that's what mm-hmm. self-righteousness, and, and, and that invokes the principle of the law. And the law will always crush us and show us we can't. So we sort of sabotage mm-hmm. ourselves. So we, like, we want to take fasting serious, but that's why it's so important we go through Lent with you know shrove tuesday and the grace always precedes us because as soon as we do that if we kept all of our fast then we would really just become more self-righteous mm-hmm. meaning and, and we and we want to be able to keep our fast but we want to do it in such a way that we understand that grace is preceding us and going with us and following us uh so that it can be uh you know something that you know grace is willard you know dallas willard says you know grace is not opposed to effort it's opposed to earning but there's a part of us that wants to earn his approval in a sense, meaning and without being some terrible, terrible thing. But but in its core, it still leads us back to the wrong principle. Right. Uh, it, it brings uh, us back. Okay. Meaning it's, it's sort of a good intention run amok. And yeah. I don't think it's clear. It's not like, um, you know, like in the prism of things, there's parts of that that are uh, we want to please him because he loves us. And we, you know, we don't know how to thank him, but there's, but there's still a part of, of the self-righteous and the perfectionism that is going to undermine us and cause us to self-sabotage. Uh, because the pressure, if we're loved by being good, the pressure of that will just, I mean, either we be, you know, some people, there's a very few people, but there's a people that their willpower is so strong. But of course they're, you know, you, you don't characterize those people by being loved as being loving. But most of us at just different levels, the pressure of that and the pressure of performing uh, causes us to, to mess up all the more. I think it's interesting. I don't know why, but it seems like the Lord's bringing up that as a theme right now in terms of perfectionism. And I, I'm not I'm not making the connection between that and what's going on, but it seems kind of strong. And um, even this morning I was reading from the, the lectionary in Psalm 119. And, and one of the verses that stood out to me was the one that says, um, perfection has its limits, but your commands are without limit. And, um, 
So, and Jen and I were just talking about that before we called you guys. So it's just, I don't know. It's interesting to me that that seems to be coming up. I, I don't know kind of what to make of that in terms of how that well, fits. Some, sometimes you can't see the roots of the orange tree, but in seeing the oranges, you know what the roots are. Mm. So that's, yeah. I don't, I don't, I can't always tell. Um, but on the other hand, you know, let me say the other side of it. And that is, you know, Finney, his big thing, he called it his central doctrine was that with the command of God came the grace or the power to do it. Mm. That the spirit was there. And for those who would cling to him, that there was a grace that would transform us and enable us, that God would not command us something that he didn't provide in grace the power to do. And I have to say, there's the there's something that really uh, stabs me in the side. So it's like, well, I hope I'm, you know, I don't want to be uh, lollygagging either. You know, I mean, we don't want to be perfectionists. And at the same time, we don't want to take lightly the opportunity that as we keep stepping out, there's a grace to break through. Mm. Um, and, and I guess, I think along the way, our soul is getting, you know, hopefully purified more and more for whatever the self-righteous piece of perfectionism. And the other part that wants to honor God and to uh, and to live in a way that pleases Jesus, you know the good things are being purified. And they're making you know, uh, you know he says he prunes the bad, he cuts them out, throws in the fire. But you know for most of our lives, far more of the pruning is the good things making way for better things. Mm. You know the bad things are clearly bad things are much easier to get rid of ultimately than to really let really good things come. Mm. Yeah, I guess in in my mind, like I'm just picturing the difference between pruning a rose bush or something where the leaves are all fine. There's nothing diseased about them or whatever, but you know that if you prune it back, you're going to get more, um, more buds or whatever. And then, and then you have the tree that's diseased. And so you cut it back. But like, so what I'm saying, what I'm connecting with is you saying, you know, like this is like the rose bush where you're cutting back perfectly good um, leaves or branches for the purpose of in the next season, having more buds or, or whatever. Well, imagine, or even having a cleaner heart so that we can receive more love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and having hands that are more empty so that there's more space. I mean, yes. one of the things he spoke to me when I was in Italy, he said, uh, there's a grace to be empty and he keeps coming back to me in different seasons mm-hmm. and, and saying, okay, Lord, how, what am I encumbered with? Yeah. You know, uh, what is it that my flesh longs for that's getting in the way yes. of being empty? Because if I could, if I could have the grace to be empty, uh, that you could fill me in a way in which you want to. Mm. Yeah. That's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling stripped. I'm feeling stripped of everything that's hindering me from receiving from God when I'm looking for in other things. Yeah. Well, I'm feeling very powerless in a sense. And I think, um, I'm not as afraid of that, but I, for me, it doesn't, it can shut me down. Meaning it's hard to stay engaged. Yeah. Uh, yes. And it is when you're feeling. <laughs> Talk about that. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, you know, the temptation for me is to watch more TV, to stay, uh, to think of trivial things, to not think about, um, particularly, I mean, you know, here I long for revival, but so I'm thinking, oh Lord, I really want, in this time of revival, but then I feel the pressure because you have so many of the revival people that I read, uh, you know, if we pray enough, if we fast enough, well, then all of a sudden now it feels like this, this weight, uh, 
over me and it you know so it feels like oh my goodness how could i do this right and then then you, then for me some people you know they press on some people say oh it's too much and i don't want to think about it you know how can i how am i ever going to get it right and um mm. And uh, that's a certain kind of perfectionism too. That says I don't want to play if I can't do it perfect. Mm, right. And and for me, at times mm-hmm. I just check out, and uh, because the thought of, I mean, I'm convinced that there's a grace that Finney and that uh, some of these great people had to be empty, and and I, and that's what I really pray for. Uh, but when I start thinking, you know, how much fasting would it take? How much? You know, it just it feels um, there's something the way that my heart and soul thinks about that that's it's not godly because it feels it feels too big and, and and in terms of instead of saying i'm simply opening myself as this little piece i feel somehow like i'm supposed to make it happen mm-hmm. and there's right. no way that any of us can do that and right. so there there's it, it hasn't uh, you know i'd love to tell you i was more spiritually advanced than i am but i'm not as spiritually advanced to really stay engaged for long periods of time when i'm feeling that and so the best I can do is say, Lord, okay, you got to purify my motives. You got to, you know, if I, if you don't do this, you know, so whether you got to kill me, whatever you got to do, do whatever it is to get me in a place where I can inherit. Mm-hmm. And I realize for me to be able to inherit may take, you know, tremendous stripping away, whatever it is, whatever fire, whatever you got to do, I don't want to miss that day. Mm-hmm. But I realize if you don't do a whole bunch you know, to get me there and to give my desires and I'm never, so it causes me in the best sense to sense my powerlessness and to turn to him. But I probably am not engaged as much as I need to be at other times. I have kind of like, it's kind of like saying intensity exercise, you know, like you, you run your 30 yards and then I'm, I want to walk for 300 yards, not for 30 yards. So it's like, I got to stay more. The challenge for me is to keep staying engaged in my need and pursuing the Lord and not just sort of checking out in the fatigue and the sense of it being so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I think that's funny that that's the analogy that you gave, because I was getting this picture in my mind thinking, um, like if you were, okay. So to me, the picture that comes is like Jesus being like your running coach and you're running with Jesus. And I know from having, I ran cross country in high school for like a half a second. And there are these times that you get into this groove where it's just like, it just feels so right and comfortable. And it's like, you're not dying anymore. And it's not, you know, really hard work. It just, it's like this, this wonderful groove. And I picture like that is when you're running in sync with the Lord and with the Holy spirit and you're doing it in his strength. And then if you're like me or my children, you're like this excited little chihuahua and you're like, Oh my gosh, it's going so well. I can do it even faster. I'm going to go even faster. And so then like I, I run ahead because I'm like, I got this. This is going so well. And then you're, you know, obviously like worn out in pain, whatever. And then Jesus come up, you know, again, and then it's going to take a little while to get back into that rhythm because now you're kind of breathless and hurting and got the cramp and whatever you did because you messed it up because you got all excited. But that's how I feel about, um, about this time and this rhythm with the Lord or just really about the time since I got saved in the first place (laughs) is that it's constantly reminding me like, Oh yeah, if I will just do this in step with you, it's actually really comfortable. But the running analogy may not be super relatable. Yeah. You you kind of, you kind of lost me since she was a crack coach. I'm like, that sounds like the devil to me. Are you sure? (laughs) I'm thinking, 
I hope that's not what heaven's like. Lord. I'm definitely in the back in heaven. Please don't make me run in heaven, Lord. Not that I did it. Not that I did much of that on earth, but but no. Um, So, but I mean, yes, I think, I think that's it. But I think there's the older I get, I think he asked me to trust him more. Yeah. When I don't sense him. Mm, Meaning what if the way, I mean, I feel like I prayed and, you know, Lord, whether it be my lust or my anger or this or that through the years, all these certain things. I feel like the Lord has been like, I'm like, why don't you just take these away? And I feel like he says, the one way you can worship me is to choose me. Mm-hmm. And there's no choice if there wasn't meaning. Yes, I could take away all, you know, all temptation for this or for that. But what, what if the one way you glorify me is that you choose me? Oh, man, oh, that's, that's really good. That's at, the, that's at the heart of worship is the choice towards God. Right. And he's saying, I'm willing to live with your imperfections and your sins, or I would have taken them all away and taken the struggle away. But the one thing that you can do until I return is to hmm. choose me. But, and so it's not necessarily, I mean, yes, I think I certainly am out of sync with them a lot. And there's, there's, and that's one part of it, but there's another part of saying, Jen, I really trust you. And I'm asking you to choose me even when you don't sense the sync part, but because you love me and I trust you to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to let you fail if that's what it takes for you to find the, the consistency of the choice because that's what heaven pays attention to. Oh, that's so helpful. <laughs> but I don't like that. <laughs> well, yeah. No, no, I prefer, yeah, I prefer to, to uh, have the appetite of a 165 guy. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, like, living so. on Cheetos is not probably the best. Bogo. Bogo Oreos, buy one get one free, baby. Mm. All right, it's really hard. It's, I mean, it's these times, and it's going to take me time to process because it doesn't just quickly to say, okay, Lord, what's underneath this desire? Mm. For me, it's carbohydrates. I feel like I can't get oxygen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like why? Why? This is my drug of choice, apparently. Okay, Lord, what is the desire under that? Hmm. that's what I'm really longing for and how do I find that and to, and to process that when you're in it's one thing you say well I'm out of the you know the, the, the race or whatever I'm over here but we're still in the race and this thing is still going on and we still don't know the end of it and, and to say okay how do I really separate myself in such a way that I can find from the Lord what are the real things see when you pray for some kind of temptation and it doesn't go away I feel like what the Lord told me years ago was it's because it's a fruit. It's not the root. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so when I, when I asked, okay, what is, what am I really, you know, so, you, you know, if, if, uh, I mean, this is, I mean, this is, uh, it's not that I couldn't lust today, but this is from years ago, but, but uh, I found that when I prayed about lust, the Lord showed me the reason I wasn't having success with lust is that it was really about my anger. And it wasn't really about lust. That lust was the way I coped with my anger. Mm. And so when I when he helped me understand my anger and my need to process that in a healthy way and to be in touch with my emotions, I could then then the, the temptation of lust, it it went away. Mm. Meaning that, that my lust was a manifestation of my anger. Yeah. So so I think like a takeaway there would be in practical terms, when you're praying about something and it doesn't seem to just easily go away or you're not understanding why, ask if there's a root. 
yeah, what's the root of this? And it may be something to surprise you. It, I was not expecting, you know, my Baptist upbringing was such that, you know, to me, you know, lust was just bad. I never imagined that lust may be a manifestation of my heart being disconnected from itself mm. and, and my need for uh, soothing or whatever it is that, 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 that my sexuality became a means uh, of, of, uh, of soothing and comforting myself when if I could find that simply by having emotionally healthy thoughts and emotions that I wouldn't find myself out of balance you know, with my sexuality. Mm. And, and so if I find, honestly, if I find myself particularly tempted to this day with sexual things, I know, oh, who am I mad at? Uh-huh. And, I, and for me, typically it's, it's, it's feeling so, like Susie's not taking care of me or nurturing me in some way. And this is how it's expressing itself. Mm. So, and that, that doesn't mean that that's true, Susie. I'm just saying that's, that's where I, uh, in my own thing, that's how, I'm just giving you a kind of a practical, that's how it played out for me. So, yeah, if I'm praying for a particular temptation and it doesn't seem to be having no success, then my assumption is, okay, this is a secondary sin or whatever. And what the real issue and need that I need is something else. Um, and, you know, I got to pursue that and then asking the Lord. But if I shame myself and focus on the sort of accusation of whatever the, the apparent issue is and don't really listen to the Lord for the other, then I just, it just keeps spinning. It just gets worse and worse. That makes sense. Sort of. I mean, as best I can understand it, I think it makes sense. <laughs> I think that when you're working it out, there's a level of understanding that you have to have from the Holy spirit for some of that stuff. But I think you're, well, and it can take weeks as you yeah. pray, but the, the enemy wants you to not see it. Mm. And he's built up walls and things for you not to be able to see what the real need is. Mm. So don't be discouraged by the fact that it may take some time to pray through to say, okay, what's, you know, what's really underneath this? Because if I could deal with that, then I could put this thing in order. See, that's why it says the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Mm. Why would you need the spirit's control to be self-controlled? Because without a fundamental balance in the love of God, you cannot exercise your will in a healthy way. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so there's no self-control without spirit control. I, I so, would guess that just this situation in general is kind of causing lots of temptations to rise to the surface for people that have roots that they don't expect. Yeah, I, I think temptation in general, but yes, of course, this because there's so many implications and they're unique. They haven't, it's not like this is something we've gone through before. Yeah, they're totally you know, unprecedented. I, so all of our reactions to it are just so awful. Yeah, well, I mean, perhaps the, the Vietnam generation, I mean, there are people who went through this kind, you know, this this season of darkness and when's it going to end? I mean, you know, there are, but... But yeah, we're kind of, it's kind of like saying there's a new pharaoh in town and, and uh, they know about Joseph. And, and, and we're in a sense, that generation where our parents and grandparents and great, they went through some major kind of things and they learned some things uh, as a people, as a society, as the church. And we're now stepping up into our, our generation saying, oh, we're beginning to get prepared for these things as well. Mm-hmm. I, I had a situation with justice today. Um, my daughter, for those of you who don't know, um, I, I was baking some cookies and I've been baking a lot of cookies. <laughs> um, I, I want to come over. <laughs> I don't know what's with the baking of the cookies, but it's, there's it's been a lot of baking. baking. We're home. Um, 
it, it sounds like heaven to me, but maybe that does. <laughs> but it was funny because, you know, she was working on some schoolwork and I was baking and she just stopped and she said, Mom, you know what I really like about quarantine? Which all of a sudden I was like, What? What are we gonna, what you like about quarantine? And she was like, You know, I like it that you bake cookies for us and I like it that you take time with dinner and we're all together and I like it that the boys are home more and they're with us and we're swimming together and we're spending time as a family. And that is when I, you know, it just occurred to me that her perception of this whole thing is so vastly different than than mine. Praise God. (laughs) Yeah. And it really is a challenge to me. I feel like to look for the gifts that the Lord is giving us through this situation um, and, and to be able to um, practice gratitude for those things and to um, kind of gain a different perspective. Um, What are some things Bishop that you feel like are gifts for you, but also gifts for the church as a whole during this time from the Lord? Well, let's go back to that. I mean, why is she enjoying it? It's because she sees you and you're not panicking. Instead, you're responding in love in other ways that wouldn't normally be there, but this opportunity allows. And I think the assumption has to be, okay, with this trial, there's unique grace. There's unique trials, unique temptations, but what is the grace that you're going to mm-hmm. give us? So I think, I think part of this is to, be, to have an expectation that with this comes some also some special things and perhaps a revival, protect, perhaps gifts mm-hmm. of healing, perhaps gifts in our family and breakthroughs with all. I mean, so part of this whole thing is, you know, Jesus isn't bailing water mm-hmm. in the boat right now. And so we're taking our cues from him to go back to two sermons ago, but we're taking our cues from him and she's taking her cue because she sees uh, your response. However, you're feeling your response is, responding and i think jesus is responding to us in love and grace and he can be found in this season and in the stress of it in a way that we would have a much harder time if we weren't under the stress mm-hmm. and strain and and uh that's kind of what i want to i, I want to be opening up my heart in the church to be thinking okay what's the grace yeah what's the grace? there is a great not not like maybe there's a grace there is a grace that is bigger than whatever the negatives are. Yeah, I think that I see that kind of popping up from people that I know that love the Lord, where they're kind of take, getting glimpses of, you know, the way that we've been sort of forced to step off the hamster wheel and um, ways that that has affected our lives and, um, y- you know, slowing down in general and, just all kinds of things that are happening that couldn't have happened any other way. Um, and I think that, I think I like the way, the way you put that is there's going to be, there's going to be a grace that's bigger than the problem. But we're not necessarily, we're not guaranteed to get it. If you don't yeah. put your sail up, you can miss it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to put your sail up before the wind comes. So what is that in practical terms? What does that look like to put your sail up? I think you get up in the morning with an expectation. Okay, Lord, you're going to, there is things you got for me here that you didn't, there was some other place I, there wouldn't have been. Mm. What are those? And you've got to, you've got to prepare your heart with the expectation that God will act according to his goodness and his character as a loving father. Mm. 
I mean, look what all the Jesus went through, but the father did not abandon them. Mm. And so there is, it doesn't, you know, I don't know when we walk through the fire and flood. I know we won't be drowned, but, but what is it? You know, I mean, in the fire and flood passage in Isaiah, he says, he says, I call you by name in your mind. I, I would expect that we would experience an intimacy and a knowledge of his fatherly love for us like never before. That provision, we may be having financial setbacks and things, but the provision, we are going to find provision. The ravens are going to bring the things we need. Mm-hmm. That, they're, that, that we will not be people who, who lack, not that there won't be lacks in certain ways, right. but, but there will be people who God will provide for just like he has through history. And, and the feeling is going to be, oh, the economy, this, and to, to take on uh, sort of this, the sense of the spirit of the age rather than recognizing the believer has promises and God is with us and for us. Uh, and if he has to feed us out of a grace from heaven, uh, he will do it. Mm. Well, I like he, that. He, he, he's here for us now. And there has got to be that expectation. Because if you don't have the expectation, expectation is a type of faith. Right. Yeah. It's a manifestation of hope that, that Jesus wins. Mm. And so the, 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 the desires of the heart and the choices, those come from our minds being focused on what God says. Mm. And if we don't focus on that, our sail will not be up and we'll miss it or it'll go through our fingers. You know, it's like, you know, you got to you got to hold on to it. And, and so we've got to uh, we've got to make it our business. You know what the Bible said about Samuel. He didn't let the words of God fall to the ground mm-hmm. when God said something. He, he made it his business. And it's like this is a season where we need to be expectant and we need to be serious and we need to be willing to be corrected and to realign things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and, to you know, I don't know exactly what the, I have every expectation that, you know, he's going to realign me in, in a massive way in this season, but it typically comes for me when I recognize my failure more and more. And then his grace yeah. shifts yes. me. <clears throat> yeah. so it's almost like I, it's, it's when I get into a position of the recognition of my great need that his grace shifts me. Mm, yeah. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, humility. you got to learn to let go. Right? Listen, the only people that know how to let go, God took it. Yeah. And, and uh, that's what we use that vocabulary after God takes something. Hmm. But no, we don't know how to let go of these things. And, and, uh, but if we'll acknowledge our sins and our faults, he is gracious and loving and kind. And he will not turn his uh, back on us. He is waiting to embrace us and to let us. He is teaching us to inherit. Hmm. Yes. I love that. Well, we're, we're getting close to time to to sign off but is there anything that you really want to bring up or um communicate before we before we end that hasn't been brought up or you haven't had a chance to talk about yet i think even though it's a podcast i want to pray for the three of you oh yeah i love that thank you (laughs) yes yes please I'm glad he's like, oh, no, not another boring prayer. <laughs> no way. Never. Oh, no, no way. All right. Now, I can feel the Holy Spirit. So I, I may cry. So it may be a little, you just got to, you know, let go and know that if it's not, can't hear everything, it'll be all right. But uh, let me, Jesus, we love you. And uh, Lord, I thank you for these three, for their friendship and uh, for Jan and for Susie and the other group of friends that aren't all here tonight. But, but Lord, I pray. Uh, for a great blessing in this season. I thank you for these women who have set their heart 
uh, on you. And Lord, at the same time, they recognize their great need. And I pray that in this season that exposes each of their need in different ways, uh, that they would find your love, your compassion, your approval, your affirmation. Uh, Lord, that they would know that in this place, that the cross, all these things is simply an invitation to come deeper into you. And that, Lord, that when they get the grace that they need in the various areas of their lives, uh, Lord, their hearts will change and sanctification will take place. That, that what they need more than anything is not a stern talking to or some voice of condemnation or some spotlight on some failure or even some try harder uh, sorts of things. But what they really need is your love. And that, Lord, as we experience and as they each experience individually with these pressures and their families and children and and the finance, all these are, Lord, that they would find a loving father who sent Jesus down the cross. Uh, Lord, I pray that right now your spirit would come and surround them. That every the things for their husbands and their children, the longings of their heart, longings that they don't even have words for yet. But you stirred it up within them. And Lord, uh, I pray that the confidence that you are and that you will go through this with us and with them uh, would be deep within them. Uh, Lord, that they could have a focus uh, on being a light and being who they are and not what's happening to them. Lord, give them the grace to receive and Lord, give them the grace to give. Lord, I pray that they would be people of source of great love. Lord, they're nurturers, they're, they're lovers of people. Uh, Lord, I pray, let them season, uh, be more connected to their hearts as you heal them. Uh, and Lord, pour out your grace upon them. You, we ask things in the most holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you so much for that. Oh. We love you so much. Well, I'm just mad that I'm not there for cookies with you and Jen. <laughs> thanks for being with us on girls night now look i want to come back and talk about because they're okay that sounds great been, i think they're very misunderstood you said any oh the enneagram oh. <laughs> four that's what i'm always we might, teasing we might need to have you and joy yeah well, Joy is really. She, What's Joy? She's an eight. She's an eight too. Yeah, she's an eight too. The problem is <laughs> there are two eights that I love. Well, and John Carlos, and John Carlos too, right? is an eight too. No yeah. way. No yes. way. Yes. We're okay, either eight. We we're either eight or it's a demon. I'm not sure which. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! That that changes my life. That you three are okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to do that. Yeah. Well, you can imagine the heaven that Susie gets to go through on a daily basis. <laughs> Every so everybody's challenging. <laughs> Susie's a two, right? Susie's a two, yes. Yeah, she's a two. Yeah. At least I think Aww. she is. She's such a two. She's such a two. She's such a two. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. we love right. you all. We love you. Give Susie a hug for us. Love, love you. Guys. Love you guys. Love you. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye. Clink. <laughs>